Praise the Lord forevermore. God is worthy of glory, honor, power, majesty. You may be seated in your place, and I want to appreciate so much that prayer of intercession that has gone up before the throne of glory. I mean, church, nothing can divide us more than what we're seeing happening through cities and throughout this land. And nothing can of that can divide us more than the racism that has creeped up his head and is now glaring in front of us again. And with nothing can divide us more than when an oppressed people feel that they don't have a voice any longer. And so they protest the way they're pro protesting now. But I believe the counter to that is a church that is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. A church that will lift up the light of the, the a gospel of Jesus Christ and be the salt of the earth. And we're celebrating today Pentecost Sunday, which is the birthday of Christianity, of the Christian church. And we have to realize that that did not happen and could not happen unless the church was united. They were in one accord, it says in the, in the text. They were united. And that means together we might have our differences, we might have a, our different views, but we can sit at the table of commonality and be able to work things th through. That is so important. The church made a difference on the day of Pentecost because they were a praying church. You cannot be a church. In fact, you cannot be a church unless there is prayer taking place. And church, sometimes we think that it's in a building. No, the prayers that we do here corporately are important. But even those prayers that we're doing at home are even more vitally important now that we can't gather in a building. I had the privilege this week of, of jumping into the prayer that the Spanish women were having here in our church. And, uh, or rather, not here in the building, but the Spanish women of our church were having. And I jumped in a phone call, and it was amazing to be able to see them focus. Yes, they greeted each other. They, they couldn't see each other because they were on a call. But they were interceding before the Lord. So don't wait till we gather to pray. We've got to be praying. Come on, praise the Lord with me for a moment. So we face it by being a, a united church. Uh, that's how we celebrate Pentecost, being a prayerful church. And when we pray, pray it isn't, Lord, here use me. I think it, that's a kind of like an elitist kind of, uh, I'm ready. I've got my seminary training. I've got my calling. I've got the right, right suit on. Here I am. You could use me. I'm a gift to you. No, it's to say, oh, Lord, have mercy on me because we're all capable of failing big time. Rather than come off the platform praying to God to use us, we should say, Lord, have mercy upon me. That should be our prayer. And then the third most important thing that we need to realize today, and that's what I want to share about uh, now as we're starting the sermon on this celebration of the day of Pentecost, is you're really not a church unless you have the power of the Holy Spirit. You could have great programming, wonderful cameras, parking, a front and back lawn. You could have a gym room. You could have a cafeteria. You could have all of these things. But if you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, it is not going to work. You have the, have the greatest staff in the world and wonderful funding streams that will make you think of something and all of a sudden the money is there to make it happen. But if you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, it's not going to work. You could be eloquent with words and conjugate your verbs exactly the way they should be and structure your sentences in such a way that will impress everybody and have an outline that is just amazing when you just hear the person speaking. But if you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, it will just be eloquent words. Because it is the power of the Holy Spirit that transforms the heart. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that empowers the church to move forward. 
It is the power of the Holy Spirit that will, will be able to allow individuals to overcome fears and not be paralyzed by, uh, uh, from moving forward because there's a sickness surrounding us. It is the power of the Holy Spirit resting inside of us that will make the miraculous commonplace. We have to realize that. And Pentecost showed all of that for us. And I want to part, I, I've preached this uh, a sermon about Pentecost so often. And I've looked at it from different angles, but I want to take the approach of what we find, another area that we find in Scripture, Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And I've titled this sermon today for Pentecost Sunday, The Discipline of Waiting. The Discipline of Waiting. It says in the text in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised. Interesting that they are now in that place of transition, but they needed to wait in order to transition correctly into this new phase of, of how ministry was going to occur. And they had a promise from God. And oftentimes when we hear about a promise, we say, yes, but what is it? What does it look like? What does it smell, smell like? What does it taste like? We want to be able to confine it in a way that's tangible enough for, for us to understand. Because at that time, they did not understand this thing of wait in Jerusalem and wait for the promise. Yes, he said the Holy Spirit, but the function, movement, presentation of the Holy Spirit in Old Testament times was much different than as we approach it on this juncture. They were going to be filled with power to do amazing things. And church, this applies directly to our church ministry here. And I suspect to many of you that are listening that may not necessarily be from this church. That is in the moment of transition that we need the endowment of the power of the Holy Spirit to help us to make it through. To help us cross over to the other side. And he says here that you need to wait. And that's contrary. When somebody promises you a gift, you want to unwrap it right away. When someone says they have something for you, what we want to do is rush forward and start pulling apart the paper and the wrappings and see what it is that we have. But he told them, wait. And we often live under the notion that waiting is inactivity, but it's actually the opposite. Waiting is about be, being active. The church was birthed as the followers of Christ waited for the promise of the Father. If they would have missed this waiting period, Peter would not have been able to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and preach a sermon and thousands would come to know Christ. If they wouldn't be, have uh, used this waiting period correctly, the church would not have been empowered uh, to become an agent of change and be able to, to feed the widows as we see later on in the book of Acts. If they had not managed this period of waiting correctly, they would not have been able to supply the needs, as it says in the text, of the needs of everybody in, the, in, in, their, in their context. If they did not handle waiting correctly, they would not have been able to discern that Ananias and Sapphira were lying. And they would have led under this notion of whatever it might be that the human inclination takes you. Waiting for the church there in the first century was absolutely necessary in order to move forward toward the promise of the Father, which was the Holy Spirit. And waiting, church, is difficult, even for us today. Come on. You, you, we press the button nine times when we're waiting for the elevator. We, we lose our patience when the light is red too long and we're anticipating it becoming green so that we can go. 
Uh, we, we have a hard time uh, waiting uh, for anything. When someone says, wait here, we wait, but our, our mind is somewhere else. We don't want to wait there. You want to see people that are stressed out? Just take a peek into the waiting room of a doctor's office. Well, you can't do it now because they're doing it all virtual. But the stress level goes up. But waiting, church, does not have to be that stressful thing, power that has taken us. If we look at waiting, waiting is really a forcefully to hold back, although instinctively you want to move forward. That's waiting. Waiting is that there's this fire, this urgency, this passion inside of you to go ahead, but you counter that and you just hold on. Waiting puts us in a place where we purposely stay in place until something that is expected or promised happens. It's that father waiting in the waiting room. And the baby's going to come. There is a promise for him. And he waits there patiently. But in his mind, his mind is going a thousand miles a minute figuring out the crib, figuring out the painting color of the room, figuring out diapers, figuring out what needs to be done. And yet the baby has not yet materialized. It's that we hold back. And church, we in this church receive the word at the end of last year that is holding true to us today. And we're anticipating getting back together soon and opening up our doors and, and welcoming the congregation back. But we have to be in this waiting period because we've got to do things correctly. We're waiting to come back in and worship. And I know you want to be here. And I know we're going to be here. And we'll tell you the date when it comes and when we're getting closer so that you can be here. But in the interim, we have to hold back because God has a promise for us, church. And that will materialize. You know, one of the ways that I use to understand concepts when I hear the word waiting, not only do I try to work at definitions and see what they say, but also work on what the definition means to me. So even these defining things that I said, uh, it's just a, a mishmash of stuff that I've read and say, well, this is, I think, how it, how it applies to me. When I said to you for, to forcefully hold back from instinctively moving forward, that's the way I see it based on the stuff that's informing me. Uh, that urgent passion that we have inside to go ahead, but you still hold, hold back. To purposely stay in put, stay in put until something that is expected happens or something that is promised occurs. But I also look at antonyms, things that are opposite of waiting, to help me understand. And and waiting has an interesting ant, uh, 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 antonym. One of them is that waiting is insubordination. Not waiting is insubordination, because what we don't realize is that waiting requires the element of obedience obedience. So the opposite has to be, I'm going to do it my way. Another word is contrarianism. That we are contrary. Somebody says up and, the, and I say down. Somebody says go and I say stop. It says it that uh, another antonym is, is uh, uh, um, uh, to, to be resistant. You've met people like that, that they, they resist everything. In fact, it's really down, the, the best way to say it is that it's just disobedience. It's not obeying what is being promised. I thank God that the apostles, as they were waiting in unity and in prayer in the upper room, that they did not, did not become insubordinate to what the Lord had told them. They did not become resistant. They did not become obedient. Because the scenes today would have been different had they not obeyed and the church would have been birthed with now the power of the Holy Spirit in, in them. But waiting can cause stress and anxiety. As I mentioned before, the father waiting in the waiting room. For the birth of a child. Waiting for medical results. That's got to be horrible. They'll tell you, we'll give it to you in three days and a week passes by and you've heard nothing. It seems like you're not doing anything, but the stress level just goes up. 
Not waiting can result, church, in missing the promise. If that father in the waiting room decides to run out, he won't be present when the second and the minute that the baby is born. If you press the button for the elevator and you can't wait any longer and you leave, all of a sudden the, the elevator comes and leaves you on the ground floor. If you don't stay put in the lane, it happens to me all the time, you don't stay put on the lane that you're at and you switch over because I don't want to wait any longer over there, that lane clears up and they zoom right by you. If you don't watch it, we can miss the promise. And our church has a promise of God that we're looking forward to. And we're not going to miss it because we're going to go running fast forward. We're going to stay put until the Lord says it is time. Come on, praise the Lord with me for a moment. Waiting is not passive. We sometimes think that, well, waiting is a waste of time. It can be if you don't do anything. But I hope that we understand that waiting takes effort to wait. It is not passive. It requires work. But it also allows us to prepare the details so that we can have the capacity to receive the promise of the Lord. The, the, the apostles were in the upper room following the instructions, but they were not there in the room Googling each other and texting each other and uh, nudging each other. They were in prayer, preparation. Maybe some of them prayed the prayer of Jabez. You don't know. They already had it. It was written. Lord, expand. And sometimes we pray wrong. We pray, Lord, uh, and we don't ask God, help me, Lord, that I might be ready to do what needs to be done. Grant me direction in my life. Waiting is a time of preparation. You just don't leave things to the last moment. You don't wait for the interview and walk into the room to then say, well, I should have worn a tie. Or maybe I should answer in full, in full sentences rather than uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-uh. You're never going to get the job. You rehearse beforehand. And if you're really looking for a position and you're really interested in getting it, you do your homework on who is going to interview you. That way you'll be able to speak intelligently about the company that you're interviewing with, the person that is sitting before you, and how they sit in the organizational structure. You want to dazzle somebody? That's what you do. You do your homework before. You don't just buy an apartment or a house and never see it. You find out what, what the crime rate is there. You talk to people that are nearby there and where the churches are nearby, hopefully where the churches are nearby. You, do, you have to be in the state of preparation. And we in this place, and I'm going to count myself in this, we have been preparing. We have a goal of the promise of the Lord over this house that is going to be incredible. I was reading the prophetic word that was brought to us by Apostle uh, uh, Victor Nazario. I have it on my wall, the wall of my office. And the Lord's going to do incredible things. People will, will flock to this place, and maybe not necessarily to this place, but to our purview, if you will. So that we can be an influence. Remember that mega church is not about the number of people you have sitting in a room. Mega church, according to the day of Pentecost, is about influence. Impact into, 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 into the, the context. And so we, we've not been waiting. We've been preparing. We've been praying. As we move forward toward opening up the building for the public, we're not just waiting to put a key in the door and unlock it. There are things that have to be in place. The things that have to be there, and I hear the, the anxiety. I hear the, the, the people missing being in this. I hear all of that. But we've got to make sure that we prepare to receive the church back because the promises of God are huge in this place. And by the way, the promises of God will outlive so many of us as well. 
Uh, it'll be for future generations as well. God will set everything in place. That's what happened with the, with the, the apostles as they were praying. The promise of the Lord, not only was there fire and demonstration and tongues being, didn't the people say, what is this? Wasn't that what they said when they heard him speaking in tongues? What is this? When was the last time somebody said that? What's going on at 207, 209 East Broadway? What's going on with that Spanish uh, women's ministry? What's going on with the men's ministry in the English? What's going on with Nitro? What's going on with Destiny? What is this? Because the power of the Holy Spirit raises the bar to the awe, to the inspiring, to the divine, to the miraculous. I was thinking this morning, as I was just mulling through the, the sermon today, about how this COVID um, uh, war that has been unleashed, and I like the way Pastor Enid prayed that we're at war. And you know, most of us have made it. We have people that, yes, passed away, but God has a plan over our lives. You're not a statistic on the no longer around side of the board. But God obviously has a plan and a purpose in your life. And I'm encouraging everybody to go get tested. And, and it comes back uh, uh, negative. You've got to praise God. And even if it comes back positive with, and you're asymptomatic, praise the Lord. God has a plan. Last night as all the rioting was happening nearby here, I hear the helicopters flying overhead. I can almost hear the people that were rallying on the FDR Drive, which is about four or five blocks down from here, and the bridge and all of that. And I heard the sirens. I looked out the window. I said, Lord, keep our building because we're going to meet there tomorrow. I hope nobody smashes our windows in the front or, or graffiti. There's churches that are being graffitied, right? But then, you know, after I said that, I looked out my window, and the Lord didn't tell me this, but what I sense is the Lord telling me, I got it. Don't worry. Sometimes we worry just wait upon, he's going to protect our children. When my son leaves and our, our sons are going out to work and my granddaughters are around, I, 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 we, I, we always pray over them. My daughters and I always pray over them. But then the Lord whispers, they're going to be okay. They're going to be all right. But that's waiting on the promises of God that me and my family will serve the Lord. That's waiting on the promises of God that I'm not going to go until God says it's time for me to go. That's waiting upon the Lord that no sickness is going to touch me. That's waiting upon the Lord. Come on, praise the Lord with me for a moment. It is so true. We have to have a goal of something that we can take hold of. We can't waste our time uh, uh, for anything but use our time wisely. Church, waiting is also, listen to this one, waiting is also a corporate enterprise. They were together in one accord. I suspect if it would have been only Peter up there in the upper room, the outcome would have been different. But when they were together, we need to move forward together. We need to go forward together. We need to experience God in our lives as we wait in a very personal way. But we need to move forward together. Waiting, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Isaiah 30, 18 says that waiting is really a blessing. Blessed are those who wait on him. I don't know if you know this either, but waiting makes you stronger. Psalm 27, 14 says, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. So church, one of the distinctives of the day of Pentecost at the day the church was born was that they learned to hold back and wait upon God. I'm telling you, church, our church, PCC, we're going to wait on the schedule of the Lord. 
and I'm going to tell my friends that are right here before I pray, is tell you the following. You've been waiting for this moment. This is the moment for your salvation. This is the moment for you to make a turning point. You've made it through thick and thin. You've made it through challenging, difficult situations. You've made it through your adolescence and now your adulthood. You've made it through COVID-19. God has a plan over your life. And today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to receive the promise of God over your life. I suspect that when Peter was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit right there in the book of Acts, and he got up and he preached that incredible sermon. Any preacher, you need to break down the sermon that Peter, Peter preached and find the elements that he used. He was able, it says, to pierce the hearts of the people. He referenced Old Testament scripture when he back, went back to Joel. He went in and he, he preached a, a message that, that not only touched the people, but then said, you need to repent right now. All the elements, and many, many more. I believe that he, he did that, and had he not done that, compel people to come to the Lord. Be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Thousands of individuals will not have come and accept Christ. This is your day. You need to receive him right there. We're going to be gathering. We'll be making the announcement of the day. You need to make your way to an altar and confess your frail humanity before God. God will never reject you. Neither will we. In fact, we'll wait till you do that. Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus to pray your blessing over this congregation and our friends and, and the families that might not be necessarily from our ministry, but watch us and tune in with us. Help us to learn from the day of Pentecost, the gift of waiting for the gift of the Father's promise. Help us, Lord, to be able to prepare so when the moment comes, Lord, we can move forward. Help us, Lord, to be able to pull in that harvest of people that will, will receive you as Lord and Savior. And I pray for those, my friends, that in their hearts right now, they, they feel the quickening of their Holy Spirit in their hearts. Let them know, Lord, that you are their Savior. You love them. And I pray your blessing over them in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. And church, before we go into a moment of singing because I think that is important. Uh, we are waiting to open up our building and I just want to mention this before I turn over the moments to the worship team. And we're, we're doing everything that we can to have this building ready for the congregation and our friends. We're moving forward. We're not being inactive. We just have to make sure just because others are saying and doing and they have their reasons for opening up their buildings whenever they want to open them up, and some they have. But we're going to wait. We're waiting on a, a three very powerful avenues of information. One is definitely hearing the heartbeat of God with regard to when we can open our doors again. And number two is definitely listening to when the governor, he's the one with the authority to tell us to open, gives us some kind of green light or at least a yellow light to move forward. And thirdly, we're hearing you as well. I'm hearing you as well. And that's what that you're desiring to be here, but it's got to be done. I want you to be prepared. We're doing everything to make the building safe, everything, and everything that we can think of. Uh, and we're doing it very methodically. I want to just let you know that the building, things are not going to be the same. It's not going to be the same way that you left before. They will be different. Not the gospel, not the message, 
but it'll be different. The seating will be different. You might be escorted to your seat, and we will have to wear masks or face coverings during our worship service. You know, you have to make sure you wash your hands thoroughly. All the stuff, the social distancing, which is so hard for us because we are a church that, you know, proximity is important to us, that fellowship. But for now, there's no hugging, kissing, none of that, touching of any kind. And I'm even telling you pastorally, if you don't feel well, stay home when we finally make the announcement. Until you feel better, watch us online. We'll continue uh, uh, broadcasting. Uh, But be prepared for some different things in here, uh, in our building, uh, once we announce the services. And you'll be able to join us and have a, a time of wonderful worship with us as we do this all together. The building will be sanitized from top to bottom before we're having a professional company come and do that. That's going to happen just before we open. Carpeting will be done. So we're going to do everything we can to make it as safe as possible. Just wait on the call. Wait on the announcement. We'll blast it out through all this, the medias that we have that we're ready to be able to worship here in this place. And what a celebration we're going to have. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. But I'll say this last thing, and then we'll we'll turn it over to the worship team. That when the church left this building, the glory and presence of the Lord left with the church. The Holy Spirit has not been hanging out here. He's been hanging out opening in your home, in my home, because he follows us. If you, if you look at the Old Testament, the cloud, the cloud and the fire followed the people. So when you left, he went with you. He's your paraclete. He doesn't stay along brick and mortar and buildings. So we're going to also not only make sure the building is sanitized and clean and ready to go, but we're going to spend some time in here praying. And rededicating and inviting the Holy Spirit back into this place. That's going to happen a few days before we, we open it up to everybody. And prepare this building so that when you come in, you might see things different. But you're going to feel the very same power and anointing that has resided in this place. That as the church makes its way back, our young people, our children, the men and women of the house. Because we've separated a time to be able to come here, intercede before the Lord and rededicate this building to God that it will truly be a beacon of hope in this community and a place of blessing for all of us that are here. God bless you so much. Why don't we stand and let's worship the Lord together. Amen.